Champions Mojo is part of the CG Sports Network. If you just work really hard and then you're also just a good person, good things are going to happen. Like if you just, if you work really hard and you treat people well and you're a good person and everybody makes mistakes, right? But, you know, if you, for the most part, do things, you know, that you feel like are, are the right things to do, then good things are really going to happen. Now you can't, I don't think you can do one or the other, right? The nice guy never wins, right? Isn't there a saying that says the nice guy never wins? Um, but you could, but if you're working really hard, you know, on top of that, you know, but on the flip side, if you work really hard, but you're not a good person, then good things aren't going to happen that way either. So I think you have to have both. Maria, you and I have recently learned about a new top 10 app being used by our friends and Olympic champions, Elizabeth Beisel, Carolyn Joyce, and Maggie Steven. And that's the Indy app. And they are the sponsor of today's show. Yep. Indy allows athletes, thought leaders, and everyday experts in any field to earn extra income by sharing their knowledge. With the Indy app, anyone can easily create lessons, they can make product recommendations, or create personalized content, which they can then post for people interested in what they know. I love this app, Kelly, because it allows anyone with know-how to earn income, even without a huge social media following. And it's easy to get started. Download the Indie app, upload your content, set a price, and share. Go to Indie.com, that's I-N-D-I.com, or find Indie in the Apple or Google Play Store and cash in on your passions today. Welcome to Champions Mojo, a podcast to bring out your inner champion. Your hosts are sisters-in-law, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Kelly is a former Division I head swim coach, Olympic trials qualifier, and holds national and world records in master swimming. Maria holds world records in endurance cycling and won the world's toughest bike race, Race Across America. Both are certified health and life coaches. Our goal is to inspire you through conversations with champions. And now your host, Kelly Palace. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast, where today we are going to chat with one of the nation's best coaches who is creating an East Coast swimming dynasty at UVA, and that's Todd DeSorbo. As usual, I'm co-hosting with Maria Parker. Hello, Maria. Hi, Kelly. Wahoo wah. Ah, don't say it yet. Yeah, Maria's a, a UVA grad. We'll, we'll get to the little rivalry we have going on here on our, our co-hosting. But before uh, we give a lot of background on Todd, let's just welcome him to the show as he sits there. Hey, Todd, welcome. Welcome, Todd. Hey, wahoo ah. <laughs> That's right. So uh, Todd is the head coach of the University of Virginia Men's and Women's Swimming and Diving Programs. And in less than three years at UVA, Todd has created a women's team that would very possibly have won the NCAA championships that did not occur in 2020. And jumping from an already amazing finish the year before in his only his first year, <laughs> the school finished sixth at the NCAAs for the women. And the men's team was equally impressive in the NCAAs in 2019, finishing in the top 10 when the year before they didn't even score a point. So Maria, can you tell us a little bit more about Coach Todd's success? Sure, Kelly. Todd's coached multiple Olympians, national champions, and NCAA All-Americans. During the 2019-20 season, the UVA women won their 16th ACC title and second ACC title under Todd, while setting an ACC record for most points scored at the conference championships. It earned him the 2020 ACC Women's Swim Coach of the Year. That same year, the men's team finished second at the ACC championships, recording the program's best finish since 2013. With the current freshman class and next year's incoming class highly ranked as some of the best swimmers in the nation, it's going to be so fun to watch the UVA program's success. Yes, Maria. As a couple of girls born and raised in Virginia, we are so thrilled to speak with Todd today. And Todd, I want to start out with just, just sharing with our listeners my own experience in, in how we met, and uh, it, I think it gives a little background into uh, what an amazing person you are. So, you know, we started off joking, Maria uh, is a UVA grad, and I'm an NC State grad, and of course, every most people know you coached at NC State for six years uh, before you got the UVA program and, and had a lot of success there, and it was so fun to watch what you did there with the NC State teams, and I wanted to share with you how 
important you were in just the life of an alum because I would go to a lot of meets, you know, I'm very involved in swimming, obviously doing a swimming podcast, but um, when I would go to meets, ACCs or NCAAs, you would always go out of your way to come and say hi to me and how much you appreciated that I was there. And, you know, I I remember I, I told my husband, I said, Todd just hugged me. That just makes me feel so good. So I just really, uh, I, I know Todd, and you probably don't even remember it, but it's your, your treatment of people from, you know, I wasn't in the pool scoring points for you, for your team, but it, it just, it's just the type of person you are. And, um, and I just, you know, I, I'm sure everybody has a seventh degree of Todd DeSorbo's story because the swimming world's pretty small, but um, I know, is your head getting too big, Todd? <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, yeah, it's it, it's funny to hear you say all that stuff because I don't I don't consider myself that in that way, but I appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, well, so so then I just I have to ask the question because uh, one of the things we're kind of known for is we do a lot of research uh, before we do interviews. So I watched your UVA recruiting video, which is really slick. But I I mean I you know we're going to have a lot of NC State listeners to the show. We're going to, obviously we're going to have a lot of UVA listeners, but we're going to have a lot of NC state listeners. Why are you wearing an NC state shirt in your UVA recruiting video? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I didn't realize that that was going to be posted out there for everybody to see. So that, so, you know, I will say that, uh, you know, I had a blast when I was at NC state. It was a great experience. I loved working with Braden. Um, you know, we had a lot of fun together. I learned a lot. Uh, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't change it for the world. And so when I got here, you know, back in the day, the rivalry used to be UVA, UNC. Um, UVA and UNC used to be the top teams in the conference for years and years and years, long before I was probably even coaching. And in the, you know, the latter few years of my time at NC State, we, we at NC State changed that to a UVA, NC State rivalry because, UVA continued to be very good in the conference and, and at the highest levels. And NC State kind of took over as, you know, that uh, big challenger and or, you know, especially on the men's side, the, you know, the team, we became the team to beat. So, um, you know, the year before I came to Virginia, the Virginia women had won nine ACC championships in a row. And, and so the, the year they were trying to go for their 10th in a row, and that's a big deal, right? To win 10 mm-hmm. conference titles in a row. Huge. That was the year, my last year at NC State, when our women actually upset Virginia. So, our, <laughs> so, so NC State's women won. So Virginia's streak was snapped at nine. And then I left and came here. And so, uh, you know, that, that rivalry was there and it was born. And so I happened to be, I think that video was taken the week of our dual meet against NC State. And so something we used to do at NC State all the time is, and I kind of spearheaded this, I would wear a UNC shirt the week of the UNC meet, or I'd wear a Virginia shirt the week of the Virginia meet, just to get the team hyped up and excited about the meet. Mm-hmm. And so I happened to have a lot of NC State gear, um, right? Because I was there for six years. So I was half, I was, that was one day where I was wearing an NC State shirt to try to get the team pumped up. And I knew they were taking a video and I, I, I was like, you know what? And I'll leave it on. What the heck? <laughs> so, yes. So I'm wearing an NC State shirt in a UVA video that is posted That's, all over the place. I, I well, just, this is a yeah. great entree to a question that I was going to come up later anyway. Um, this idea of pumping up your team. Like I read, I read that you before a meet, you have strobe lights and music, and everybody dances, and then you, you know, then you give them, or you or one of the other coaches pumps them up and. Tell, tell me about why you think that's important. And is that something that you learned from something else or is a personal thing, this idea of getting your swimmers kind of riled up emotionally? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's just, you know, I like to get riled up and, and yeah. get hyped up and get excited and, and I don't want to be bored and I don't want the team to be bored, you know? And so I think just, you know, swimming is a sport that's not like a lot of other team sports like basketball. You know, you have the intro at the beginning of the game, and they're exciting and they're fun and, and everybody's getting crazy and excited. And so try to, you know, just incorporate some of that into the, the swimming world to make it fun because swimming is hard, right? It's a hard sport. You know, we say this all the time. You don't play swimming. Um, you know, <laughs> so it, it, yeah. That is a great expression. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> a great expression. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, you know, anything we can do to make it fun and exciting and different and interesting, we're going to do it. And I don't know how that started here. You know, if that was going on before I got here or if it was something, I feel like it kind of started when we got here and, and some of the guys, our first year just started bringing a massive speaker into the room. And, and then they had a strobe light at their house. They brought that and the music is just blasting. And I actually like it because I'm kind of, you know, I am in, in, in the moment type of speaker if I plan stuff too much, it doesn't usually go really all that well. And so that situation, the music's blasting up until probably one minute before we run out and then they cut the music off. And I say like 30 seconds worth of words and I don't even know what I say half the time and they just go crazy and then they run out. And so, so um, you know, but I think it's really important. You know, I think it's a great, if you ask our kids, if recruits ask our current team, you know, what do you love about swim meets? Every one of them will say, we love the the hype up room before, you know, the dance party before we go out and, and, you know, race, they love it. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, so just give us a kind of a quick overview. We don't want to be repetitive on things that, you know, you've already answered, but how has the pandemic been for you kind of recently and your life in general, just, just for, being a coach and being a dad and being a human on planet earth. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure everybody's lives are, you know, turned upside down in the last eight months or so, you know, it was for probably three or four months from March until June, it was, I wasn't coaching at all. So that was, you know, totally different. Um, I think I was working more every day than I was, you know, than I ever have really without actually stepping foot on a pool deck because it was just constant, keeping in touch with the team on top of that we were recruiting you know zooms with the team talking one-on-one -on -one individually with the team you know just we, we turned into um mot more motivational coaches than anything and just mm. trying to keep people motivated keep people excited keep people that you know trying to stay in shape you know helping people find pools helping people find dry land equipment and weight room equipment it was it was a long long summer um you know, once we, once we were able to get back on the pool, you know, the kids were able to get back in the pool probably mid-June. It, it was a little bit back to, to normal, but we weren't necessarily coaching them at that point. It was just like, hey, here's a pool, here's a lane, here's a workout, go for it. Um, at least in mid-June, we got to start recruiting. So that made my life a little bit more normal. So I was, you know, doing a lot of recruiting. Um, and then, you know, we didn't start practice until early September. So then it, you know, things have slowly but surely turned back into somewhat normal although it's not still because you know we're swimming limited people per lane um you know limiting our dry and limiting our weight room so it's still really different but becoming a, a little bit more normal and i think at this point it's it's a new normal so it is normal now um but it, it's definitely been a, a challenge um personally i'm home way more than i ever was before because i'm home all day every day you know i go to practice in the morning and then i come home and it's not because we can't be in the office, but you know, I, there's no reason for me to be in the office. I don't have any in-person meetings. I'm not having athletes stopping by to meet or chat, you know, um, and you know, the rest of the staff, I just tell them like, if you can get your work home from, you can, you can work more comfortably from home, not having to wear a mask and you can get everything you need to get done at home. Then let's just stay home and we'll come in when we need to. So, um, the world is different. My kids are obviously at home doing virtual school. So, you know, I'm, I'm probably wearing a couple of hats every day, helping them a little bit, although my wife is taking care of the, the bulk of that. But life is definitely is definitely different now, uh, more challenging. But, you know, I, I told our team, you know, this year is going to be very challenging, but with challenges, become it, there's more excitement, there's more, you know, entertainment, there's, you know, a, a challenge is fun to try to overcome. So we got to look at it that way. How are you balancing? And Maria, I, I'm going to hit these swimming questions in the front, and then you can just—I just want this one more question. How are you balancing, Todd? Um, the the possibility that the season won't happen. So if you know, like, I think this is a question that anybody would like to hear. People planning a wedding, people planning a marathon, people planning an Ironman, whatever. Like, so you're out there training, it may or may not happen. And a, a little bit in that, can you address maybe your disappointment and patience with uh, missing NCAAs last year? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think with, with the uncertainty of the season, motivation is probably the biggest factor that you have to overcome and, and keeping the kids motivated, especially your, your seniors, right? Because 
for them, if they don't have an end of season, then why are they doing all this right now? So trying to keep the team motivated and excited. We've done a lot of things before we were able to start competing, which was late October. We, we were doing a lot of things in practices. We had inter-squad competitions just to spice it up and, and keep it exciting and different. Um, we actually, we're only swimming once a day. Uh, we haven't done a double this entire year so mm -hmm. yet, um, which normally we're, you know, we're swimming nine times a week. We're lifting weights. We're doing dry land. We're, we're doing two a days, you know, three days a week. We haven't done, we haven't swum twice in a day yet. A lot of the reason was because of the uncertainty. I'd hate to, you know, we have this, you know, normally October, we call it Rocktober. Like we kill them. Um, we train hard. We're training a lot. We didn't do that this year because, you know, I'd hate to have to have gone through that and then the season get canceled. Um, you know, so we're definitely uh, progressing as if we are going to have a championship season. Um, you know, our football coach Bronco said it really well at the beginning of the football season before they started having games. They're going to train. It's like the military, right? And, and being a Navy SEAL, you, you have to be ready. You have to be ready. You may never get the green light. You may never get called on to your mission, but you have to be ready for it. So, you know, we kind of took that approach as well. Like you can't plan for the season to not happen. You have to plan for the season to happen. And so we're, we've been doing that while also trying to balance the mental health side of things, the motivational side of things, you know, only having to swim once a day help. They can be way more motivated to get, get through one practice and give it their all and, and train at a really high level once per day compared to twice per day. And they have been training. They've been doing a phenomenal job. We've had some of the best workouts since I've been here. Um, you know, even if they don't have quite the, maybe the motivation that they normally have in a season, I think they do. I think the motivation is there and they're doing a good job, but it, it's been challenging. So we've been trying to do some things to, you know, make the season a little bit, it's a different season. So we're approaching it differently. Um, even if we do have a championship season, it's still going to be different than it normally is because some teams, even ours, we're without our full team. Um, other teams are without their full teams. The Pac-12 just started competing. The Big Ten doesn't compete until after the new year. It's just different. So we're approaching it differently. Uh, we've adjusted to the, the situation, which I think you, you have to do. And if you don't, it's going to be a real long year. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, 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 you know, the season being canceled early last year was, it was pretty hard on our team, certainly, um, especially the women, you know, we, and, and I think the reason why it was very, really difficult for our women was because, you know, the women, the talk has been moving towards winning a national championship or putting ourselves in a position to contend for a national title. And the talk all along internally and externally throughout the year last year was next year is going to be the year. 2021 is going to be the year we can really win. We're going to have a lot of great returners. We're going to have a lot of, um, you know, a really good incoming freshman class. We're going to be set up to win it, you know, next year, which is now this year, 2021. Um, and so the, the expectation wasn't for us to win one this year or last year, which, you know, 2020. Um, however, throughout the season, and especially once we got through ACC's in February, their confidence just was at an all-time high. And they were excited because now it wasn't, we can win this next year. It was, we can win it this year. Um, and the fact that, you know, that got taken away was, was pretty hard on them. And especially because Virginia has never won a national title in swimming and diving. Nobody in our conference has ever won men or women has ever won a national title in swimming or diving. So it would have been a first on all kinds of levels. Um, so it was, it was really hard on our, on our women, especially, and our men, you know, I think like everybody in the country, everybody took it, you know, pretty hard, but it, it, it hit the women, uh, probably I would think harder than most as a combined team, as a whole team, you know, cause I think seniors all over the country, you know, it hit them really hard cause they didn't get their last year um, or their last NCAAs. But I think as a whole, our women, it, it hit them pretty hard. What did you yeah, say to them? How did yeah. you encourage them? <laughs> I mean, you know, we had, it was all such a whirlwind that day when it all went down and it all happened so quickly, you know, within like within a three day window, it was like, we're going, I don't know if we're going, we're not going, you know, and that mm -hmm. day it was like, we had a practice scheduled for three o'clock that afternoon. And I was walking out of the athletic department at two 30 and got the phone call. I was on my way over to the pool. And so rather than have practice, we had a team meeting and it was like a 15 or 20 minute team meeting. And I, I just didn't have, I don't, I didn't, I didn't know what to say. I didn't have much to say, you know, um, at that point, you know, other than, 
here's the situation, you know, you guys had a great year, you know, it, it was hard, you know, and, mm -hmm. and we probably it, weeks went by before we went back to addressing, you know, and, and thinking about it, you know, cause at that point I didn't want them to think about it anymore. Just take some time off and get away and, you know, we'll, we'll come back to this later. Wow. Yeah. So I, 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 I read, you know, I, I, I'm not surprised in talking to you um, that you put so much, you know, emphasis on relationships and fun because that's, you know, that's what I've been reading about you. But one of the things that I read was that, that you, um, you have this expression all day, meaning I suppose that, well, you can explain what it means. And then there's another one, reckless abandon. Did have any of, I'd like you to explain those and then I'd like you to talk about how you can apply those to this difficult time after COVID and during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the all day motto, it was from my first year here and, and I actually have a huge sign in my office that says all day um, it's plastered on the wall and it's just about carrying yourself like a champion in everything that you do all day. Um, you know, I, I firmly believed before coming to Virginia that Virginia was a type of program, the type of university that attracts the type of athletes that can be, you know, can be championship level athletes and, and can contend for NCAA titles and Olympic, you know, Olympic births. Um, but I firmly believe that you have to carry yourself like a champion first in everything that you do before you can actually become a champion. So, you know, we have that, that motto that you, you, you act like a champion all day, every day in everything that you do. So that's related to the classroom. That's related to your training in the pool, in the weight room, in the dry land. And that's related to your social life and to the community and, and everything that you do. So it's not about the, the two hours or the four hours a day you're with the team and in practice. It's about the other, it's a lot more about the other 20 hours of the day that you're not with us. You know, what you do when you're not, you know, when we're not watching you is significantly more important than what you're doing while we're watching you. Cause I can hold you accountable. That's easy. And I can make you work hard or I can motivate you to work hard, but can you continue to be motivated to do those things once you leave the pool? So, you know, that's, that's kind of our mentality um, and motto just broadly, you know, for the team. Um, Reckless abandon. Was that the other one? Yeah. So Kelly will like this. I actually, so I, these, those words are actually David Fox's words. Um, and David Fox was a NCAA champion at NC State, sprinter. He was an Olympic gold medalist. Um, and, and so, and there's actually two more words that go along with that that I use as well sometimes. Um, rel relentless effort. Um, and, and those are, that he had sent me a text message years and years ago while I was coaching at NC state about, about one of the individuals on the team that I was coaching. And, and, you know, he, he, the, the reckless abandon was like, you, you know, you just train with reckless abandon, you mm -hmm. know, you, you basically run through a wall. Um, and I, and, and I use that, um, wording a lot with my team as well. Like, I want you to run through a wall for me. I need you to run through a wall for me and then get up and do it again and then get up and do it again. That's the way we practice. We practice with a reckless abandon. I, I coach, I'm a more low volume, high intensity type of coach. And the, t the, the athletes that will perform the best for me are those who will run a, run through a wall for me 30 times in a practice um, and get back and keep doing it. That, that's reckless abandon and just pushing off and not caring about how bad something's going to hurt or, you know, that you might throw up at the end of it or being embarrassed because you might die. You just got to <laughs> let it go, just let it go and, and let it rip. And then the relentless effort, which you didn't ask about, but that kind of goes along with it. Because when I usually when I use reckless abandon, I also say you start with reckless abandon. You have to end with relentless effort because because so if you go reckless abandon, at some point you're going to you are going to actually actually hit a wall and not be able to go. And then you've got to have relentless effort to be able to continue through the rest of the practice or the rest of the race or whatever, you know, whatever it might be, you know, swimming or life. Um, so those two things kind of go, go hand in hand. I love that. Have you, how have you applied that to your, your career in life? <laughs> oh man. I don't know. You know, I, um, I'm pretty much reckless in everything I do. I'm, I'm a, <laughs> I, think I'm, I think I'm a loose cannon. That's uh, no, you know, I, I, you know, I think Kelly mentioned this in the intro. Um, I don't, I don't know, you know, 
how I ended up where I am today or how the team ended up where we are today or how NC State ended up where they were, you know, and, and while I was there and, and obviously they're still doing really well. Um, I look at life just in general and, and really everything I do. And I try to pass this along to our kids too, that the team is, you know, to me, if you just, if you just work really hard and then you're also just a good person, good things are going to happen. Like if you just, if you work really hard and you treat people well and you're a good person and everybody makes mistakes, right. But you know, if you, for the most part do things, you know, that you feel like are, are the right things to do, then good things are really going to happen. Now you can't, I don't think you can do one or the other, right. The nice guy never wins, right. Isn't there a saying that says the nice guy never wins. Um, <laughs> but you could, but if you're working really hard, you know, on top of that, you know, but on the flip side, if you work really hard, but you're not a good person, then good things aren't going to happen that way either. So I think you have to have both. Yeah. I would say Todd, one of the things that you've done, you did, you know, obviously consistently well at NC state and, and now uh, at UVA is, I think you have a relentless effort in your recruiting, your coaching, your staff. I, I mean, I think you are epitomizing and role modeling relentless effort. So I, I remember when you first got the job in 2017, I, I, you know, we were devastated to lose you, but um, I just thought Todd's not going to sleep for like a month. I just felt like you were just like, just... I haven't, I haven't slept in three. I haven't slept in three years. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. My, wife, my wife will tell you that it's definitely relentless effort from that perspective, you know, and I would agree from a recruiting, you know, that that probably should probably start using that with with our recruits I, I i oftentimes tell recruits we're really aggressive recruiters but we're not like but sometimes it's hard to explain that so it's more like relentless effort like we're going to keep trying and trying and trying and we're just going to try really hard you know and not give up yeah absolutely so one uh thing we'd love to talk with you about is is pressure um when you're you know you're now the head coach at uva you are vying for an NCAA title, you've got to have some pressure on you. You know, you put it out there and all swimmers, whether they're in the, you know, the little junior Olympics and they're seated first or they're at the NCAA finals or the Olympic trials finals, give us some uh, advice on dealing with pressure. Yeah. You know, I don't, uh, I don't think about it personally, you know, and I try to have to, you know, have the athletes not think about it as well. Although I know that's really hard. It's easier said than done. Um, but you know, at least for me, I haven't, and, and most of the athletes that I've coached, we, I haven't been in the situation at personally or with athletes where, you know, the, where the pressure is on us, you know, and, cause we, I've kind of always been in the situation that, you know, that I have nothing to lose. Um, and that athletes I have coached have had nothing to lose. Um, and I think that's a fortunate position to be in. And I'm hopeful that I won't always be in that position because if I'm always in that position, that means I've never done anything or, athletes that I've coached have never done anything. Um, you know, cause at some point if you start winning national titles and you start putting people on Olympic teams, then, then there, then I think the pressure is there, then the expectations are there, you know, and you, you know, then you do have something to lose. Right. Um, I tell our girls, you know, Stanford's women have won three NCAA championships in a row. They've won, you know, I don't know how many uh, outside of that uh, quite a bit. They've got a lot more to lose than we do. Um, you know, if we, if we get second, that's still really good for us, you know, and we weren't necessarily expected to win. Whereas if they get second, it, you know, it's that to them isn't, isn't very good because they want um, So they have a lot more to lose. And so that's kind of the approach that I've taken all the way to this point. And, and I'll continue to take until we get to the point where the targets on our back a little bit more. Um, and so, you know, and, and from a coaching perspective, as well as an individual one-on-one -on -one with athletes, that's, that's kind of where, where I've been and where I am right now, I, I still think. And so that takes a little bit of pressure off and maybe, maybe I'm not, maybe other people would say, you're crazy. You are there. The pressure is on you. The expectation is on you, but I don't feel that way. And I think because I don't, our kids don't. So we've got kids who can probably make the Olympic team. We've got kids who can win national titles. We have a team that can win a national championship, but they're, they're, approach right now is they have a chip on their shoulder. They're just trying to prove, you know, prove themselves and, and work hard and be good people. Um, and, and so those good things will happen to them. And, and so maybe my approach will change when maybe we have reached the top. And cause I think it's harder. I think it's harder. I think it's, it's hard, but in different ways, it's hard to get to the top, but I think it's harder to stay at the top once you're there. 
um, you know, and you're going to get knocked down and, and you got to figure out how to get back up and, and regain that. Um, and some, there's been some teams who have done that really well, uh, you know, over the past few years, but you know, I'm just having fun for now. There, I don't have feel any pressure. I've never felt any pressure. I just am excited and fun and it's fun. And it, you know, so it, it's, you know, to me, it's just been, it's been a, it's just been a good time. And I, and I hope that our athletes see that and they're like, yeah, let's just have fun. <laughs> yeah. So that's a great way to handle pressure. Just have fun. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Um, do you find there are differences or what differences do you find in coaching men and women? Uh, women are a lot tougher than the men. <laughs> wow. He just said it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Let's... <laughs> and yeah, uh, <laughs> Tell us more. I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, I, every coach, every team I've ever been a part of UNC Wilmington and NC state before here and now Virginia, we've all trained, you know, the men and women are combined. They train at the same time. They train together. They do the same work. So I don't really, you know, I don't approach coaching very differently with them from a physical perspective. Uh, I think from a um, mental, psychological, motivational perspective, it's really different. But I, I don't want to say that it's different. The women are really different than the men or the men are really different from the women. It's every individual is really different. And so, you know, I could have a guy and a girl that are exactly the same. They're going to be motivated the same way, but they're entirely different motivated than these other people. So, um, you know, I think that just figuring out your athletes and having a relationship with each athlete individually is going to tell you how you need to coach them and what you need to say to them. And, and what you shouldn't say to them is probably more important than what you actually do say to them. So, you know, that's, uh, Braden and I, you know, and it's used to talk about this all the time, right? There's, there's an art to coaching. It's not about throwing a piece of paper, like the workout itself is maybe, you know, maybe half of, of, you know, getting somebody to swim fast. Um, it's, you know, presenting the workout is a lot, has a lot to do with it. You know, uh, you know, how to motivate them to work hard during that workout, you know, and then as I mentioned earlier, how to motivate them to continue to work hard, you know, and think about their swimming career once they leave the pool and go to bed that night, what time are you going to bed? How much, what are you eating? What are you drinking? You know, how are you recovering? You know, all that stuff. So, um, it's, it's, I don't necessarily know that it's a, a lot different by gender, but it's a lot different by individuals, even within the genders. So uh, I, I think, I don't know that there's one thing I could say that will women are this way and men are this way. I, it's just, there's so many different individuals, so many different personalities, you know, nothing's cookie cutter, nothing is one size fits all. Um, you know, it, it, that that's the challenge of it. And that's the fun of it. You know, I've got 15 swimmers in my group right now. And every one of them is really and, and seven girls and eight guys. And they're all really, really different. Um, and so to motivate them, to get them excited to, you know, you know, whatever day to day to get them out of a funk, to get them, you know, to get them go fast, whatever. It's really different per every, you know, per person. Yeah. You, you've said, you know, again and again about having relationships and, um, and, and building this. So, so just practically from a person who's not a swimmer, what does that look like in terms of, do you regularly zoom with your individual swimmers or, I mean, how do you, how do you build that relationship? Zoom. Um, well, you know, the recruiting process now lends to that a lot more than it used to. And I think that's one of the advantages and benefits to the, those recruiting process in swimming and diving has been sped up in the last probably two years. It's been sped up. So now we're allowed to recruit high school juniors. We can start recruiting them the summer before their junior year. So we, you know, we, for example, we've got commitments already for the class of 2022, mm-hmm. high school graduating class of 2022. So they've committed here almost two years before they're actually going to step foot on, you know, campus their freshman year. So we have two years to build a relationship with them. So I think that is, you know, used to be, you couldn't start recruiting them until before their senior year. So they, so we have an extra year now. Um, I think that plays, at least for me now is playing a huge role in, you know, having that relationship before our kids even get, before they even get here, you know, and then once they get here, we can really hit the ground running. And obviously once they're here and you're interacting with them every day is different, but you get a good sense, you know, and a good feel about the type of person they are, what motivates them. You can talk to their coaches you know, so that, that's really helpful. 
now, uh, this year is really different, you know, because previously we could hang, you know, Hey, come by the pool 20 minutes early and let's talk. Hey, hang out 15 minutes after practice and let's talk. None of that's happening anymore. Right. Like we're, you're minimizing all possible contact. So, I mean, yeah, like we are, um, you know, I have zoom meetings with the team. I think I've had, I think I've gone through two cycles of meeting with every individual on the team. Um, this so far this season, I've got, a, have got our, my staff meeting with, with the kids one-on-one. We, I have a rota- I have them on a rotation. So I don't know if, I don't know if our kids know this, but I'm, I have like basically, you know, each coach, there's five of us full-time coaches. Each coach, he takes 10 people a week. You need to connect with them this week, find out how they're doing, check in on them, and then send me notes. Because I can't, I need help, right? I can't get to 60 kids every week. So uh, my staff is an extension of me, and they do a really good job. And let me back up by saying I, none of this, you're talking about me and, and what I've done, but none of this happens without everything else that's going on, right? Like I can't do it all myself. So I've got a really good a really good staff that does a fantastic job. And, um, you know, they're really, they are really good extensions of me and they're all different and they have different personalities and I'm only coaching a quarter of the team, you know, they're coaching the rest of the team. Um, but they're also staying in tune with what even athletes in my group, because, you know, I got a lot going on, um, as a head coach and my head's not always with, you know, what's going on in their lives every single day. So I lean on my assistant coaches to find that stuff out for me too. So um, would you have any good stories or any stories on somebody defying the odds or just on your way to, you know, all the experience you have in swimming? Can you think of any, any fun stories that uh, help get you here or that we would enjoy hearing? (laughs) Are you talking about like specific athlete performance type things or just anything anything that sticks out to you <laughs> something you were laughing about on the on the deck or some uh swimmer that just did something that that really stuck with you just just yeah any story well you know so yes i mean i've got a lot probably and <laughs> i bet you do I, I probably can't think of all of them but um you know one that really sticks out to me is and this helped me learn how to Again, like, as I mentioned earlier, like coaching is more of an art, right? It's not about being able to write a workout. And I learned that really early on when it, this is when I was at UNC Wilmington coaching. And I think it, I think it might've been my first year coaching. Um, so first of all, I didn't really have any coaching experience when I started coaching at UNC Wilmington. I coached a, a club team for one year and it just happened to fall on my lap that that job opened up and um, it was just a, a perfect storm. So I got the job. And, and I was a 400 IMer growing up in college. So I was thrown into a, coaching a sprint group. So I'd never coached sprinters before. I'd never done a sprint workout in my life before. So I didn't know anything. Um, but I had uh, one athlete, one female athlete who was, I didn't recruit. Um, so she showed up the same time I showed up. She was a freshman, my first year coaching college. But she was highly touted. She was one of the best she was probably the best swimmer UNCW had ever gotten on the female side, you know, coming out of high school and probably within the first month or two, I was coaching her and I yelled at her. She did something. I, I, I think she took a breath when she wasn't supposed to be breathing. Um, and I yelled at her, uh, you know, and, and I, I wasn't like being harsh or, or trying to be really mean, but I yelled at her. I, you know, I got on her pretty bad about taking this breath where she wasn't supposed to. And she stopped. She just stopped and got out and walks over to me. And I'm like, I'm starting to fume, you know, because she's not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Now she's getting out. I'm like, what is going on? So she comes over to me and she's like, Todd, I'm going to tell you that I really like you and I really like swimming for you. But if you yell at me, that's going to make things worse. I'm just not going to want to do anything you want me to do. It's not, doesn't motivate me. I don't like it. I was like, uh, okay. And I was like 20, Five, twenty-six. I was pretty young and not not that much older than them, you know. And I was like, I did not know what to think at that moment, and I didn't know what to say. And I was just like, okay. Anyway, I've learned from that that you know, everybody you can't coach everybody the same way. Like I probably could have yelled at a guy, and they would never not breathe again. Um, whereas I found out with her, and there's probably a lot of people like her. She that was just she was just going to shut down and not want to do anything I asked her to do. So that was a defining moment for me, just learning how to coach, you know, personalities and motivate, you know, just to realize that 
okay, this isn't, this isn't just about giving them a workout. Um, well, that was big for me. And I took, you know, I've taken that, you know, with me for years now. And that was, or that was my first year. Now that was 20, 2006 or 2007. So it was a while ago. Um, That's a great you know, story. Yeah. I, I had another learning, you know, another learning moment. I coached um, that, that person's name was Caitlin Kerstyer, by the way. And she ended up qualifying for NCAAs in her career. She's the only, she was the first female at UNC Wilmington to ever qualify for NCAAs. Nice. So thankfully I didn't run her off and, and have her quit on me. You know, I, <laughs> I, we figured each other out. Um, when I was at NC State, another kind of learning moment for me was I was coaching Simonis Billis, who um, he was a Lithuanian. He ended, ended up, you know, making the Olympics 2016, made the Olympic final in the 53. Wow. You know, he, he was NC State record holder in several events. You know, he had a really successful career, but he drove me nuts. Um, <laughs> and he knows it. And we still talk today. You know, he's still, he's a pro swimmer living in, in Europe and, and still doing really good. And we talk quite a bit, but he, he drove me nuts. And, and it was just wild because I don't really know. He just, I don't know why, but we butted heads all like, multiple times per week and he would work hard. It wasn't about him. He would work hard. He, he kind of did what I wanted him to do, but he just, just sometimes threw attitude. Um, and, and it just really irked me. And so we, I, we got in like shouting matches on the full day. <laughs> um, but anyway, I did, that was one I couldn't figure out. So on my own, and I actually went to our sports psychologist at NC state and was like, I need to talk to you about this kid. I was so fired up and mad. I was like, I, this kid gets me so mad in the middle of practice. And, and I realized that it took me away from the other kids in the pool. So if I had 15 kids I was coaching, I was so mad at him. I wasn't giving the other kids what they needed. I, 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 I would like kick the whole t- group out of practice because of one, because of one person. Mm-hmm. Like that's how bad it was. And I was like, I don't want to coach anybody. You can all leave. Um, mm-hmm. And anyway, went to talk to sports psych about it. And, I, and so Anyway, I learned a lot from that. I had one meeting with Sports Psych and I was like, oh my God, this is like the best thing ever. And just learned, you know, not, didn't just learn how I was, she kind of taught me how the brain works and why it does those types of things. Anyway, that was huge too, because I was able to figure out how to not get so mad, but also not take away from the other kids. That was a pretty, you know, big defining moment in my career as well. And something I've taken forward, you know, because kids don't always do what, what you want them to do you know, and that's never going to change, <laughs> you know, then yeah. it's hard to have a great attitude every day and it's hard to work hard every day. And so, you know, figuring, you know, just being able to manage myself as a coach too is, is important as well. Um, that's a great, it worked out. that's a great lesson. Even, even you saying it's so humble, but yeah, you're right. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and those, those successes that like, you know, him being successful, you know, Caitlin being successful after having those types of situations pop up are to me, what makes me more, more proud is from a, like my accomplishments of having coached Olympic gold medalist or an NCAA champion or whatever, my, the things I'm most proud of are getting through things like that. Um, you know, helping somebody overcome something or, you know, it's not necessarily about like, Oh, you know, I, this, the, somebody making the Olympic team or, or winning Olympic gold medal was my crowning achievement. To me, it's more like, it's these things that nobody ever saw <laughs> that I'm more right. proud of having figured out. And it's not only me, right? It's the athlete figuring it out too and helping them figure it out. Those are the things that are, um, to me, I think the coolest because those are the things that are going to help me, you know, 10 years from now, but also they're going to help them 10 years from now or 20 years from now, you know, when they're long, since, you know, done swimming. Yes. Love that. I love that. And I didn't even know this, Todd, that I somehow missed that you were a 400 IMer, and now you're a premier sprint coach. So I love that, you know, mo- many coaches were swimmers and they usually coach what they swam, but, um, how did, how did just real quick, how did you get into being such a sprint coach after swimming distance yourself? So I think that's one of the reasons why I'm you know, whatever success that I've had, I think a lot of the, what I can attribute any success I've had as a sprint coach to the fact that I wasn't a sprinter, um, you know, growing up and and in college. So I got started coaching sprint because that's what they needed. They were hiring a sprint coach and, you know, I was coaching a club and I was coaching master swimming and I was coaching triathletes 
And I was also a CPA. I worked for Deloitte and Touche. And at the same time, I was doing wow. all that. Uh, you know, I was probably working 100 hour weeks between coaching <laughs> the club and, and doing tax consulting work. And the head coach at UNCW, I happened to be in his office, basically telling him what I was doing with my life. And he was like, well, what do you really want to do? And I was like, well, I think I want to be a college swim coach. And he said, well, at the end of the season, my sprint coach is retiring. If you want the job, it's yours. And so that, so I did another year of the tax consulting and the coaching and all the stuff on the side. And then as soon as that year ended, that coach retired, I quit everything and went to coach college. And so it just happened to be a sprint job. And so coach Dave Allen, who was the head coach at UNCW, gave me David Marsh's videos on sprint coaching, sprinting. He gave me Sam Freeze's book on sprinting. Um, there might've been, Oh, I think he gave me some stuff on Dave Salo. And so I like mushed it all together and just kind of was like, okay, I'm not Dave Salo. I'm not David Marsh. I'm not Sam Freeze, but you know, I'm going to take what I like out of all those things and just mesh it with my personality and let's go. And so I learned a lot in that first year, especially. Um, and so that's kind of how I got thrown into sprint coaching and I just, you know, you did it with reckless abandon, reckless abandon. And relentless effort. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the rest is history, but I do think that, you know, a lot of the reason, like, I don't, I think a lot of coaches who say a sprint coach who was a sprinter or a distance coach who was a distance swimmer, they are going to base a lot of their coaching on the way they were coached. Right. Cause that's what they know. And that, that may, it may, or it may not, but I feel like it may hinder their, it may keep them a little bit closed minded. You know, it may hinder their, their willingness to learn and do things differently. Cause Hey, if this worked for me, it's going to work for them, which is not right. the case. Right. right. Um, especially 20 years later when you're dealing with, people are different now than they were 20 years ago. So, um, you know, I think that the fact that I wasn't a sprinter and didn't do sprint practices and wasn't coached by a sprint coach, I had to learn it all. And I had to figure things out myself and I had to experiment with things. And I still am. I'm still learning. I'm definitely still learning. Um, I'm definitely still experimenting. And I think that that's, you know, been beneficial because you, you evolve with the times, right? I think I hope to never be considered an old school coach. That's like oh. one of my goals. I don't want to be ever considered old school. You know, I, I want to, I don't, I don't necessarily need to be considered new school or innovative or anything like that, but I, I'd like to try to stay up with the times at some level. That's, That's awesome, great. Todd. I know we, we've got to respect your time. We have a, if you have time for it, we have something we call the sprinter round, which we would love for you. It's yeah. just a bunch of fun, little stupid questions, but it gets our uh, listeners to know you a little better. Do you have time for that? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So these are just silly, fun questions, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how you answer. Thank you, Mark. One word answer. Cat or dog? Dog. Red or blue? Blue. <laughs> <laughs> Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Milk chocolate. Oh, kickboard or no kickboard? Kickboard, for sure. <laughs> Mountains or beach? Mm. Oh, see, that's a hard one. I, I have to go with beach, <laughs> but now that I live in the mountains, I'm moving more towards mountains, but def, but beach. Love it. Okay. Football or baseball? Football. iPhone or Android? iPhone all day. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Morning person or night owl? Morning person. Okay, Maria, okay. your turn. Uh, mine are just real short answers. Your favorite color. Oh, we already asked that, but try again. What's your favorite color? Uh, blue. <laughs> and second favorite color is orange? Black. <laughs> oh, black. Love, okay. No, I love black. <laughs> <laughs> favorite pizza topping? Pepperoni. Favorite vegetable? <laughs> oh, spinach. Oh, good. Oh, nice. nice. I like it. Uh, your favorite... Favorite swim complex? I think I know the answer to that one. Oh, complex. Huh. Yeah. What would be my favorite swim complex? I don't know. I'm, I guess I'll have to say UVA. Right, right. It's a, it's a beautiful one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so, the, you know, we talked about the the music. Do you have a certain, like, pump-up song that, that works for you? You know, it's funny. So this morning at practice, we ha I had 90s hip-hop and R&B on, which is when I was in high school, right? And the kids, this is, most of the kids weren't even born then now, right? They're born in like 2000, 99, right, maybe. Right, right. So every song that comes on, I'm like, do you know who sings this? Who sings this? <laughs> and none of them knew, you know? <laughs> um, but I would say that my, my 
my pump up song from high school is probably still the song. I love it every time it comes on and I love it that it comes on this station, but it's Marky Mark and the fun funky bunch. Good vibrations. Love, love it. Oh, that's a great song. <laughs> that's great. That's a great answer. Uh, do you have any siblings? I do. I have an older sister and then a younger sister and younger brother. Oh, okay. And you have two kids. We know that. And uh, yep. your, your favorite Star Wars character? Oh, Han Solo, hands down. Okay. Uh, do you, can you cook? Um, I can cook, but I have to be told what to cook. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's You're a, a good yes. husband. Good <laughs> husband, Todd. <laughs> Uh, this is one we, we uh, ask, uh, you know, the younger athletes, but I think it's appropriate for you too. What word comes to mind most when you dive in the water? Like if you're really wanting to go hard. Oh, see, I don't dive in the water uh, <laughs> ever. I don't dive How in the water this? ever anymore. How about this, Todd? What word do you want going through your swimmers' minds That's when good, they dive in the water? I would say, well, I would say either reckless abandon or intestinal fortitude. <laughs> I, like that. I love it. One, love one of it. our girls, Ellen Nelson, she's a sophomore this year, 400 IM, or she was swimming the 400 IM at, at nationals in the summer before her freshman year. So this was a year a year ago, a, a little over a year ago. And she was like, what, what? She's helped me with the 400 IM. She was scared of it. And, and I was like, I told her, I was like, you got to have intestinal fortitude. And she had no idea what that was. And I said, Google it. And anyway, <laughs> her coach asked me what I told her because she had a great swim. So anyway, now every time she swims the point I am, before she swims it, she comes out to me and she says that. Intestinal porn too. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Those are just great answers. Oh, wow. What a fun interview this has been. Thank yeah, you so Todd. much, Todd. Yeah, yep. thank you so much. We're going to really be cheering for you and uh, just and wishing wow, you all, all the best, all the best for this coming year, for everything. Appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. I had fun too. You guys made this yeah. a lot of fun. Well, thanks, <laughs> thanks a lot. God, we we'll we'll yep. see you see you on a pool deck somewhere. Yeah. All right. Appreciate All right. it. Thanks, All right. Todd. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Takeaways, takeaways, takeaways. We've heard from you that your favorite section of our podcast is the takeaways. Thank you so much for that feedback. But before we get to the takeaways today, we wanted to ask you if you would please give us a five-star review. That way, more people will be able to find our podcast. Also, if you could subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, you'll never miss a podcast episode if you subscribe. And please share our podcast with your friends. And now, the takeaways. All right, Maria. Wow. I, you know, it's so great to see Todd doing so well and what a fun interview and just full of chalk, full of great takeaways. Of course, we only do two each. So, uh, so let's dive right in. What was your first takeaway from that great interview with Todd? Well, I, 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 I have to talk about, um, re reckless abandon and relentless effort because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we were saying, um, you know, if, if something, if you hear something and you can start thinking about immediately how you're going to apply it to your life, then this is a really good tidbit. So uh, you and I have joked that, Relentless effort's no problem for me. That's who I am. I'm relentless effort. But the reckless abandon, like throwing, you know, starting, he says, basically, you start with reckless abandon and you finish with relentless effort. I'd love putting those two together because often I'm fearful when I start a hard effort, you know, just like he right. talked about and, right. and, and just saying, okay, I'm going to go at this with reckless abandon and then I'll just let my own natural relentless effort. Um, so I, I love those two. I think you can apply it to all of life. So many times we don't start things because we're afraid and, you know, reckless abandon, just, just do it. And then let your relentless effort help you finish it up. Right. So I thought right. it was a great take home. Yes. I saw actually the light go on in your head when he said it. So I, I knew you're related to that. And I love that because, you know, you're not a, uh, you know, a competitive swimmer, you're a great right. athlete, obviously, right. but just, uh, we like things to speak to all of our listeners, right. whether they're swimmers or not. So that was great. Um, yeah, my first takeaway was how much fun Todd makes his programs and that that is actually a great tool for peak performance. So I when we're that. having fun, you know, you, it, it was another way that kind of he kind of a roundabout way said that, that he deals with pressure or that when that pressure comes, Hey, let's just have fun. Right. There is no pressure. And I, you know, if, if one thinks of, you know, some of your best performances in life, I really look back and I think, yeah, that, 
I was having fun or my team was having fun or, you know, I saw Tiger Woods hit that hole in one and he was laughing. You know, it's like, I think people do need to put fun into pressure filled situations, whether it's, you know, a, a sports performance or, um, I, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm afraid of hospitals and doctor visits and all this. And I had a friend who, um, had a, a horrible, like a terrible abscess tooth that kind of exploded and she was in excruciating pain and she actually had to go in for emergency surgery. And I think she had to go into the emergency room and she said, I just decided I could be scared or I could have fun. And she said, when she, when it was rolled into the, the operating room, she just said, she imagined that she was being rolled onto a Broadway stage and that she was just going to like, I know and she was laughing. And, and so I, I think adding fun and laughter and humor, you know, we just interviewed um, Dr. Lynette Charity last week and she talked about using humor and I think Todd's doing that. And I, I just love it. So that was yeah, my first. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I loved his story. You know, sometimes we can bring fun in with music and dancing. We've been doing a lot of that. We've moved into a bigger space and we've been just, you know, turning the music up loud and dancing and that just, it really does take stress off and it makes everything just seem easier. So I, I, yeah, I think that's a great takeaway. And um, my second takeaway is about um, relationships. Of course, this is, you know, a commonality of all successful people. They're good at relationships. They work at it. But what impressed me particularly about Todd was, you know, clearly he was very intentional about learning about his swimmers, learning about, and, and I, you know, I didn't get a chance to talk to this, him about this, but I had read that he, he, he was ready for this job. He had a list of, of, of staff in his drawer that he was going to contact when he got his, his head coaching job. So, you know, this is a guy who, you know, and he's doing the show, you know, and, and you, you told the great story about, you know, how warm he was with you when you visited at NC state. So, um, you know, I think this, you know, he, I don't think he minds it, but I think he's also very deliberate about building relationships. And I think that's, you just cannot emphasize that enough. I, I was listening to, you know, a self-help guru and, and, and one of the things he said was, when I'm here with you, I want to be here with you completely. And I think that's what Todd does. He, he gave it to us. It was wonderful. Yeah. We talk a lot about uh, what commonalities champions share. And this is a, a thread we see through most of the champions we interview, especially the coaches that they just, they really value relationships naturally. And, you know, I think about, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to work for Pfizer pharmaceuticals, which is hopefully going to develop our COVID-19 vaccine. And one of the big trainings that we did in that was that everything we want in life comes through another person. Mm -hmm. So I think I was lucky to learn that. In fact, um, we were also interviewed, uh, recently, on, uh, with Elizabeth Beisel. And I think she asked, she asked us, or somebody asked us, how do we get all these good people on our show? And I think a big part of it is that I've maintained relationships with my fellow swim coaches from 1990, you know, like uh, people that, that I met back then. So I really, I think it's sometimes it's hard and especially hard in, in COVID and, and being, you know, inside a lot, but to, to stay in touch with people, to think, not, not, you know, not just to advance your career, just because it just makes life better to it know does. what it other does. people are doing and how they're doing. And, and uh, so I, I think that is just a part huge of the, one. It's part of the fun too, you know, for I just success. Had, yeah, that's great. I love that. Okay. Yes. So what's your, your second takeaway? So my last one is um, using all your resources. And we talk about this, you know, we talk about how important it is to have a coach, but uh, a couple of times in, in Todd's interview, he referred to one that uh, he was having trouble coaching Simonis Billis, the great uh, NC State guy sprinter, and, you know, was just getting frustrated every day, getting tied in a knot. And he said he went and saw, talked to the sports psychologist, how to I deal with that. it. So, great you know, example. going to another source. Um, and then also when he started to coach sprinting, he wasn't a sprinter. So he combined everything from David Marsh's stuff wish we had a nickel for every time somebody says David Marsh on our show. Um, well, then, you know, the name Dave Salo. Cause I remember that from your youth. Yeah. Dave, Dave Salo was a guy that you Dave, used, to, used to talk about. Yeah. Love Dave Salo's stuff too. So he took a lot of um, resources and then used them. And I think we, it's, you know, it's sometimes, uh, you know, it makes us tough or we're going to do it on our own, but 
I think when you reach out, you learn more. It helps the people that you're reaching out to feel good about what they're doing. And so I think that was just a huge takeaway for me that uh, use all the resources that are out there because there's ton, there are tons out there today. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great takeaway. Well, it was, as you said, you know, <laughs> it's a fabulous interview and yes, so much yeah. there, but, um, and Maria, I forgive you for going to UVA. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so glad that he's there and going to turn that school yeah, into a national, a national uh, team. Uh, of course, and you know, of course your husband, Met yeah. went to UVA where you met my little brother. So I'm and also I've always... my my son is currently in his um, post grad his medical school. Um, well, he's he's now graduated from medical school and he's in his his residency there. So, oh right, lots... so we have a current family we member have a at UVA. Current family member at UVA. I love it. Came, did you he... tell Todd that? I did before we, we oh, got on. Okay, before you got started. Yeah, Great. Yeah. Great. I was good right. telling him all of my links to Charlottesville. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Maria, right, thank you love so you. much for love you too. Talk with you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This week's quote of the week comes from Todd DeSorbo. Swimming is a hard sport. You don't play swimming. So anything we can do to make it fun, we're going to do that. You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast with host Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Champions Mojo is produced by Cobra Media, and a new episode debuts every Tuesday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Follow Champions Mojo on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Champions Mojo.